Hello, my name is Robert Hagens. And I'm Kate Tuxford. And this is episode 74 of Screenwriting from the Trenches, a podcast about the craft and expression of screenwriting in all of its forms, from the perspective of writers just like you. This week... (laughs) I'm sorry, that was so dramatic. Yeah, uh, no, was, I was, you know, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I got, I was trying for something. Anyway, this week, Kay and I find the industry to be a dumpster fire, as yes. per always. So we want to discuss how to get your foot in the door. And if you really want to. But first, as always, we must discuss what is screenwriting Twitter, a Twitter about this week. Take it away, Zach. And it's just another day in screenwriting drama, screenwriting drama, screenwriting drama. It's just another day in screenwriting drama. It's another day in screenwriting drama. And we're back. So Kate Tuxford, we had some real screenwriting drama this week. Yeah, I mean, it's it's classic, I feel like. It's as, as drama as old as time. We have a female burgeoning screenwriter, and we have some man on the internet who wants to lecture her without any invitation to do so. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, tale is old as time. It did not go well. Yeah, no. Sofa Karate, she, I saw, I don't know this person, but I saw the thread and I saw the screenshots and the pictures. She had, out of nowhere, I guess, I'm, I'm guessing that she posted her script probably for like, first page you know, Friday or first page something Friday or like something that. like that. Yeah, there's been a lot of them. People are sort of inventing these these new things. I've seen a I lot of those too. I just saw a too. third page Thursday. But yeah, I saw that too, and I was like, mm, yeah, we're stretching things right now. But yeah, so anyway, she put her script up there, and this is one of the reasons why I don't do this because. You're inviting people, I mean, not necessarily. It seems a lot very similar to this whole thing of like, you know, if you're film, filming yourself in the gym, are you inviting people who are sort of bystanders? Kind of, yes, you are, you know, and people might not want that. But in, in this case, you know, people are doing it. It's a hashtag thing, you know, and it's just like this person put their script up there and then they were given unwanted advice that was also kind of wrong as to like what things should be capitalized and... It was dumb. Yeah, this person was giving some real, like, old school advice about mm -hmm. capitalizing all sounds, which is something you can do if you want to do. If you want Um, to. But it is not something that is, by all means, it's not something that's expected um, when you read a script. So, uh, yeah, but he was kind of dying on that hill. Yeah. Nobody goes to, like, the screenwriting handbook and when they're reading your script be like, oh, no, no, she didn't. She didn't capitalize this. This says bang right here. There's this is not capitalized. This screenplay is useless. Doesn't matter if I, did, I was enjoying myself. This this one technical mistake has now made the script worthless. It's, it's not even a mistake. If you open up any screenwriting book, they'll tell you, you it's optional. Right. <laughs> so it would be somebody just kind of forming in their mind this this is how the penultimate screenplay is written and you have crossed my personal boundary and to that i'm just like you need a a new hobby (laughs) (laughs) yeah and when she you know uh power to her she fought back and basically said don't tell me what to do yeah you're not my dad thanks you're not my dad yeah and um he doubled down and basically tried to say He's got industry clout and he's got stuff made so he knows what's up, which is, it's always funny because having a movie made in the 90s, you know, having a movie made, you know, even a decade ago, there are different screenwriting rules. And on top of that, like movies get made all the time that don't adhere to proper screenwriting format or rules so it doesn't really establish you as like a formatting guru it's it it doesn't do anything except for you're just trying to like measure how big each of your dicks are right yeah yeah i think i think and this is i think this is just somebody once again you always find this type of this personality type i feel like we could get like a we need a i know karen is taken for like the general general populace but i wonder if there's a 
personality name type we could use for this person. It usually tends to be, and I can't, I can't, I can't account for this person. I don't know. Usually an older white guy. Have you noticed that? Yep. Not always, but, and it's usually. Just somebody upwards of like 55 who's been in the business and has like I'm one just... or two name, like credits to their name. I and they consider like... themselves to be a screenwriting authority. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like Scotty Scriptsplainer or something like that would be good. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Scotty Scriptsplainer. Okay. Maybe maybe our listeners can offer some, some suggestions um, yeah. on this type of person. Um, Got another Scotty. Yeah, so uh, speaking of other things that people did not like and had lots and lots of opinions on, uh, Ant-Man was not popular on the internet this week. There were a lot of people sort of memeing the and this is not a spoiler because it's in the trailer the the modok character and there was a lot of talk about uh, this we're having an ongoing conversation about these sort of work ethics behind mm-hmm. special effects companies and their them being overworked and underpaid and yeah. underappreciated and how that work, how the, the the animators themselves at this point are saying, yes, you're getting substandard work because we're not getting paid enough. We're not being given time enough to complete these things. These things have dates and we have to hit them and that's yeah. it. And yeah. I think there was a story that came out that was like sort of the priorities of Marvel for some of these movies. And I saw that Black Panther had been given a lot of priority because they wanted it to to look a certain way. And movies like Ant-Man, not necessarily at the top of, of, of Marvel's list. It's like those uh, Disney movies back in the 90s that did the directive VHS sequels, you know? Mm-hmm. Those were not top-tier animation either. No, and but the thing is, is that the, as special effects, you know, become more and more of a thing where, you know... They're just invisible special effects. Like I was watching this thing recently where they were talking about where they were watching a, a scene from Avatar, The Way of the Water, and how it was just a, a scene of one character pulling another character out of the water, which you would think would be able to do practically. Like here yeah. is a character of one person. They're not actually really in like in the ocean. It's a tank. Yeah. But here's a fake rock that I'm going to pull you on. But they changed most of the things in the shot. They, really? they changed one of the characters from the waist down. Didn't have the right, the, the legs weren't moving the right way. The actor had to be uh, digitally replaced who was being pulled in. The There were things that were on the character's face. It was, it was a whole thing. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, this is so much special effects for like one shot. They could have been shot practically. And for me, it's just like, why didn't I don't I don't know. I don't know the 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 sort of the details of it. It's like, why didn't they just do it right? Like that wouldn't see, seem to be a place where you would need to have special effects done. But yet here we are, like I said, like where a simple physical action where they replaced half of an actor. And you're having yeah. these things now where if, if that's going to happen, if that's going to be a thing where now you, you've you assigned your own filmmaking to animators in post, then you need to be compensating for that. And you need to be giving time. And that I, I don't care if it cuts into your, your, your release date. Move it back. Like, stop giving us substandard product. But I guess it won't. It doesn't matter as long as these movies keep making money. Has Ant-Man made enough money yet? I don't know. I haven't been keeping up with this. It it, it did make a significant amount of cash last weekend. It okay. was the number one. It there was um and it did outdo the previous two installments uh in North American box office and international box office. Uh it sort of didn't do okay. as much as, as well as they thought in China, but it still made almost like 300 and some million bucks just from the first weekend from domestic and international totals. Within a few weeks it'll be in the black and that'll, you know, that'll be the end of it. It's 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 probably going to make its money back and then some. But Yeah, but it's going to tarnish potentially the franchise or the reputation. It's mm-hmm. one of those like corporate things they think well, if we cut everything so we make a really profitable quarter, 
then it's going to be really great, but you can't really sustain this pace. And what you're also doing is now the next Ant-Man movie or the next time there's an Ant-Man project, I think people are going to feel a little burned by it. They're probably not. Yeah, it's, it's a, they'll, they'll look at it and be like, the last one looked really cheap and just not show yeah. up. So, so it's interesting because they're not necessarily reaping the consequences of it potentially not, yet. Yeah, not yet. But fiscally, they're not. But, but you know, this is a, a one-way ticket at this point. It's, it's. I think people kind of get the sense of it's all downhill from here. Yeah, I, I sort of, for me, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it. My problems with the movie were not necessarily with special effects. I wasn't exactly taken out of the thing and i guess that's to me i'm sort of i don't i i've seen movies i don't know what the difference is but then again i also i have that sort of difference when you see like in terms of cinematography where you're looking at something and you're you're like wow look at blade runner 2049 and then you look at something else you know with sort of a similar budget and you're like what just what happened here in terms of cinematography roger Why? deacons happened in 2049 yeah roger, exactly <laughs> Roger Deacons happen. Yeah, and you're looking at it and you're just like, these are not the same. But technically, they should at least be able to stand toe-to-toe, but it just, you know, it, it's not a it's not a thing. And, uh, you know, different artists see things differently and you're going to get, you know, that's sort of the magic of, you know, of, of, of artistry. That's neither here nor there. But there's a certain amount of, I guess, cheese that I've grown to, to come to accept now from some of these big budget properties and it's not just marvel it's all of them because you're yeah. looking at it and you're just like how did this get released like this you know it's not going to be like jurassic park where you're looking at that movie 30 40 years later and you're like yep still holds up yeah and i think i think you know i was feeling that when i was watching some of the original like harry potters and stuff like that where they have that kind of like cringe with some of the cgi and mm-hmm. things like that where you're just like oh where yeah it, it feels it definitely feels like it's not it's going it's going to have that element of cheese, you know, right. where, you know what, they've made their choices on how they want their movie to be. So I'm not here to tell them they, they should make it otherwise, but good luck. And let's go on <laughs> to our next topic. Yeah. More screenwriting drama. We had Pete Bridges who made a thread on the industry. Did you see this thread? I did. I had some people. So I start, started seeing some like subtweets about something that was getting feathers ruffled. And then I had to like ask my gossiest of Twitter bitches uh, what was actually going on. And they they linked me to Pete. At Pete's bold title book. Pete. At bold title Pete. Pete was really basically really down on contests and querying and saying don't bother with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead uh, make things. And I don't inherently have a problem with some of Pete's argument, because I think making things is always, I think, puts a little bit of the, the control back in the hand of the creator. So I think I understood where he's coming from. But a lot of contest folk and a lot of people who benefited from contests and querying took a little personal umbrage with that. Is that what you saw? Did you? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I saw. A lot of people were saying, I don't agree that, that querying gatekeepers nets you nothing. And... We've had multiple guests on this podcast alone, and I've had it done on other, I've seen it, I've seen it from other, or heard it from other podcasts and other interviews where you, you, you win, you know, an AFF, Nichols, a whatever, fill in the blank contest or yeah, thing. Final and then, big break or yeah. whatever, yeah. You email, you email, you email, hey, I want a thing. Hey, I want a thing. Hey, I've got a thing. And crickets. Because yeah. gatekeepers are gatekeepers, and they're only going to get to a certain amount of folks just by the nature of gatekeeping. That's their literally their whole job, and so yeah, and they could get twenty queries a day. They're probably not opening all of them, you know, right. or or you know, they don't even have time for any of them right now. So they might just delete them all, you know, right. and they if may have in, not ever you read know, you won that contest. Yeah, managers are notorious for ending up producing their clients' work. And so if they're in the middle of a production, they're yeah. not going to be up for, you know, opening emails full of queries. And so they don't. <laughs> Some don't, know? yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to do hashtag not all, not all 
managers, you know, I'm sure somebody's going to be like, I open and read every email. That's fine. Yeah, but sure. It's it's not it's not something managers are obligated to do. Right. Right. And then for whatever reason that, you know, that they don't decide to write you back, you know, most of the times you hear nothing. And then occasionally you might get a polite, yeah, this is not for us. Yeah. But that's rare. Have you, I've, I've rare, I don't think I've ever got one. And I've queried tons of people where it's just like. Generally, it just goes into the abyss. Mm -hmm. As I say, it, it goes into the abyss. Occasionally I'll get a request. Um, I send the material. I do like the follow up in a couple months and ghost crickets, which to me means no. Uh, I've occasionally had like a follow up, like maybe send me like a character Bible or pitch deck if you have it to it. I'm like, you get some of those extra things. Once I'm repped by you, you don't get them all. You know, I'll send like a little, you know, like a little two page pitch document or something outlined, but they're not going to get all the bells and whistles because I'm not their client. And um, yeah. And, um, uh, but, but on a whole, it's a pretty few, futile process. And I think. And demoralizing. It's demoralizing. And I think also at the end of day, the amount of queries going out, even if you have a really banger script, it's, there are it's more just, queries it's a part of the going noise. Yeah, yeah. It just becomes a part of the noise. There's more queries going out than, you know, even if all of the scripts that were being queried that day happen to be amazing stories and great writers, there's no ability really for these folks to to take them all in. It's it's a little random chance and circumstance, but it does work out for some people. I right. do know a few people who got managers off of querying. Um, Andrea. Andrea famously did, yeah, one of our guests, she did that. She We have to sort of acknowledge that, yeah. Yeah, but, but if, I think you... If, before we uh, just say, oh, query. Andrea did a lot of things to kind of corner her interest, mm -hmm. like her interest in that company. She was watching who was getting promoted. She went for somebody who had just uh, started in the lit department. Right, needed exactly. Probably more clients. So like she, she strategized a lot before she just sent a random query into the ether. It wasn't random at all. And I think that's probably where you're going to get the most success when these are people and careers that you're tracking and it's not just a random there there used to be and i don't know if they exist anymore script like querying submission services i Have don't you... know i've never heard of that well i i won this contest in the mid 2000s it must have been 2010 uh, not mid 2000 yeah and one of the rewards which i did not know at the time was that there's a expedited script query service that would take the log line of whatever I want and send it out to 2000, you know, industry professionals. And it just went out, obviously, after the contest, whether I liked it or not, to 2000 random people just got blasted with this email. And that was just to be like, I guess, a perk of the contest. And there was a lot of these in the early 2000s where they would just say, like, you know, give us 50 bucks and we'll query you know, all 3,000 people in our industry contact list. I don't think those services stayed very long because obviously blasting out an email like that just exhausted industry folks. I wonder um, if that's like for them, like sort of the, the gatekeeper equivalent of a stage 32 email, like they're getting- <laughs> They just can't get rid of it. Like, yeah. oh my God, not another one, fuck. And so you're just like- you're just, I can't take it to the point where you're just opting out. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, you're opting out or you're not seeing it anymore or... Just deleting know. it on site. Just be like, nope, I'm not even... Yeah, exactly. Even and so this. so I think we've also kind of like uh, desensitized these folks even more by, you know, turning you know, email blasts and things like that. Yeah, because I got to wonder, like, not to... I mean, I don't have any love for gatekeepers. I have zero love for gatekeepers. But I can say no, just... I can't, I can't believe that, Rob. Yeah, Nobody okay. <laughs> knew that about you until right now. Ha, yeah. ha, ha, ha. But uh, even from a logistical standpoint, like, if I'm a gatekeeper and I'm getting all of these emails and queries constantly, and I can imagine it would be constant, you're getting these kinds of things, unless... Because of the, the volume that I'm probably receiving on a regular basis... If something doesn't 100% rock with me, I what's the point? Yeah. Because I have so many to choose from. I know that there's going to be a flood, a daily flood 
of queries of people querying me and asking me and and wanting me so for if i don't miss 100 rock with it if i have any one sort of problem with it be like no i don't i don't like that the main character is a dude no i don't like that this person doesn't have a magic sword whatever it is that 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 it is that that just sets me off about even the log line just nope i don't have to engage that's just the nature of gatekeeping that's the way it works I have keys to the kingdom. People want the keys. And so... More and emails tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And I think also a big thing people don't understand about like when you're sending to like a production company or a manager is oftentimes the assistants get those emails. And I remember mm -hmm. being an assistant like a, many moons ago, I was like uh, an intern, a senior intern at Dark Horse. They didn't really have assistance they had interns because they're free and i was basically told to go through the you know the submission emails and only things that i and i could request scripts that i felt were interesting but mm -hmm. i already had a ton of work to do you know and so basically the 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 situation was if i requested a script i had more work to do and mm -hmm. um, and so you know it had to be like the type of pitch logline thing that seemed like a home run uh that would get me in with my boss it, exactly. it wouldn't be just like a oh yeah it would be nice to read about robots today like no it couldn't it couldn't be that it had to be yeah. like it better okay, be this. like robot Shakespeare. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. So so I think that's also the position there where we don't think about it, but it's inherently set up for people don't want to read them. Right. Now, and we've said this on the show. And it um, adds more work. Yeah. Yeah. We've said this on the show a billion times where you're not necessarily, you know, the, the gatekeeper is not necessarily getting it. You're getting the gatekeeper's assistant. You're getting yeah. the gatekeeper to the gatekeeper. Yeah. And so th that, again, this just proves Pete's point. This stuff is worthless for the most part. There are just yeah. enough examples to sort of justify the existence of it. And other than that, no, you're, you're better off doing something that you can get a bunch of eyes on it because I, you know, not to spoil whatever, but we have uh, our, our free resources a week. The reason why the person, the person getting elevated is getting elevated is because they got eyes on it. And we're yeah. going to talk about that in our topic this week which is how to get uh, your foot in the door. And do you want to? Yeah, and do you want to? Yeah. So the first thing to people are always like, how do I get my foot in the door? And which door are we talking? Just the industry in general, the writing yeah, because, door? Well, yeah, it just, you know, because even this, the, the successful people I know don't consider themselves to be successful because of the nature of the business. Everybody's still hustling, you know, three, four movies in. You know, there's yeah. still like we had, you know, um, Liam O'Donnell on the show a few episodes back. Yeah. And I, I, I talked to Liam all the time. He considers himself. He doesn't consider himself to be to have made it. You know, he's he's making movies. Uh, you know, he's made two or three uh, like Skyline movies where he was directing himself. He doesn't consider himself to be making it like he or has like he's made it. You know what I mean? You get to think of like Tom Cruise. You only get to be like this, like the one percent of the one percent of the one percent. Like right. you know that that's that Bernie, uh, the Bernie Sanders crap. You know what I mean? Like Spielberg is <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. The industry is so hard, and you're like, are you are you for real right now, Spielberg? Are you for real right now? Yeah, right, right. And there's this this like, well, if Spielberg doesn't feel like he can make it, what's <laughs> what luck do the rest of us right. have? What are the rest? Yeah, exactly. So there's a certain thing of in terms of like who feels like, you know, they've made it or or you know, that sort of thing. So getting your foot in the door is is just like you've gotten to a place where you might be able to I don't know, you where where you can at least have an opportunity to advance your career to a place where you could make something or, or yeah, is that what we're sort of saying? I guess. Foot in the door. Like I think foot in the door, like oftentimes when I occasionally get emails from folks who have seen like Bindu or other projects that I've done and they say, how did you do it? Right. Yeah. 
technically that's a foot in the door. You know, you had a movie produced by the Duplass brothers that is streaming right now everywhere. Yes. And people are often surprised that I'm not like sipping my ties by like the standard <laughs> pool in Hollywood. But uh, no, we all still have to work. <laughs> surprise, surprise. You know, I think the question is, is oftentimes we get people who aren't in LA. They're not affiliated with anyone in the industry and they want to be, you know, they want to network. They want to connect with people and they don't even know how to like start that like they don't know anybody right right and right. you know i see sometimes the the ult ultimate cringe is they hop on twitter and they you know they they page or at something like neil Druckmann and says can i write for the last of us you know i've got some good ideas right i've done that i've done that <laughs> I'm sure we all have done that, but that's not really a way to get your foot in the door. Um, I mean, specifically Neil Druckmann. I, I just, I, I have to work with the man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to beg. I'm willing, you know. <laughs> but, I but want, I just, that's you know. not a career move. That's a shot in the dark, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It okay. Is. And so these people feel like all they have are these shots they're taking online at people that are already established and probably already pretty staffed up and busy with their stuff. You know, we can't all just like tweet and query Steven Spielberg, who doesn't even know what movie he's making next um, <laughs> <laughs> and see if we can like, you know, carry his chair for him or whatever it is we're going to do. This isn't really a way to get a foot in the door. It's kind of just, again, a random lucky shot if somebody responds, but it's it's not really a way to like build up the momentum of your career. You need to start getting people on your team, right? Right. And people who are going to advocate for you. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I do, you know. It's not going to be an A-lister that's busy running their own show right now. They're busy. They don't have time to get to know Joe's screenwriter while they're at the pinnacle of their career. You need to start with people who are still climbing, right? Right. The thing to do, even in like, that doesn't mean necessarily do these shots in the dark, but the thing you've got to do. I think ultimately, and all I think that all of our tips today are going to have this element in there, but you've got to put yourself out there and getting on screenwriting Twitter and, and making, you know, friends in the industry. I mean, I, I had to do this recently where I quit my job and I was went completely freelance. And so I went out to people. I was like, Hey, everybody, you know, I've quit my day job. I've gone freelance. If you have any sort of jobs or whatever like that. You know, if you're looking for this, that, and the other, I am available for these things. You know, this is what I can do. And you talk, you just let people know, but you're sort of moving within your your circle of influence, the people that you do know, or just, you know, putting it up there that you are out there for these sort of things. And I had some bites, some folks ended up getting some jobs because of it that were really nice. Some folks said, hey, I like Rob's work. And they sent work my way. And that was really, really great. And, you know, that's that's all you can really hope for. But you've got to put yourself out there as a, as a you know, what you're looking to do. And I think for a lot of folks, especially at the beginning, what you should put yourself out there for is, is you're willing to learn. Because I, I literally said this on Twitter the other day, even when I went pro in 2015, and I, that was after uh, at least over a decade of screenwriting. That was, for me, I went pro, but if I, I look back on some of the things that I was doing back at like 2015, uh, pro writer, Rob, and I just cringe. It's just absolute <laughs> cringe. You know, like the query letters I know that I sent at the, those first query letters, they were so long. Like, and <laughs> just, what were you doing? You know, then, so for me, it's, there's, there's a certain, it has to be a certain element of I'm coming into this. I want to learn. If you have an opportunity where you'd be willing to show me the ropes or if you need someone to help out, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm a willing body. You know, that that's definitely an option. Yeah. I mean, there is that you, you put yourself out there, you may get a hit, you may not, but, it, but I think also the idea of people seeing you, especially if you talk about the process online or you build a connection online, mm -hmm. you know, people people get to see you in progress and they feel like, oh yeah, that's Rob. He's, he may not be there yet, but he's doing it, you know, and right. they'll, they'll feel like, I mean, the idea is to kind of feel inevitable. Right. Right. Uh, but also I, I would say the the other thing is, is the other part of putting yourself out there is I get this a lot. Um, this is a, this is a, don't do this. 
right? Which is, I try to follow a lot of screenwriters on Twitter because number one, screenwriting Twitter is a nice supportive place. Mm-hmm. And number two, you know, I'm, I am trying to increase my, my social, my social reach all the time. And so oftentimes, especially throughout like the week, I'll try to add like 20, 30 new people. If I'm like, Oh, this person's a screen, you know, I look at, especially with some people's bios, um, if they say something about screenwriting or if they're queer as fuck or bonus, if they're both, I'm like, we're going to be friends. And um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, or they're cynical Rob. I, I get to love you too and and uh, instead of and then usually sometimes what happens is immediately after i follow someone i get an instant uh message have you ever seen those where oh yeah instantly get to reply oh yeah and i get a long three or four paragraphs from this person that i should check out all their books or their you know acting real or whatever it is it's just spammed at me and you know that's like wow like uh, yeah it's an immediate turn off it's like come on dude turn off because you know i already thought maybe your tweet was interesting right right that's an interesting tweet i like what you had to say like i wasn't ready to just like it's almost the equivalent of somebody like flashing you right yeah Um, it's you know that's the thing and i remember speaking personally about this like when you and i met it was very much like, I didn't want to overwhelm you. I was just like, hey, you know, saw that you won. You seem like a cool person, and I'd like to get to know you. You know, that sort of thing. Be like, hey, if you ever want me to read something. Like, I volunteered immediately to like, hey, if you ever want me to read something, I'm available. Like, that's the, that's the way to do it. You know what and I mean? I think, just- I think that's the golden offer is, is if you want to meet somebody, instead of making them do something for you hire me, read my script. If it's somebody you admire or are interested in, ask them if they need it, you know, because too often these folks are getting asked of do this for me, do this for me. Instead, it could be, hey, you know, I love your work. If you ever need to add an extra reader to your, you know, your beta readers, I am, I would be 100% in. Like that's a supportive thing where the person goes, oh, this person followed me because they like me or my work, not because they're trying to, personally get ahead and use me and i think that's the big ticket there is we can smell that a mile away um and so when you put yourself out there you need to put yourself out there with a mutual interest in the other people that you are connecting right that's 100 and like i've i i have there are interesting ways to do it like you know like i said you and i are one thing and we you know we've been friends now for seven years you know based off of that sort of relationship yes i'm keeping score God damn it. <laughs> the pandemic all counts as one year. That's what I tell myself every day. All right. <laughs> you can still say seven years, but I was sitting there doing the math and I was like, 2016 wasn't that far away uh, in my mind. But yeah, you yeah. know, it's, yeah. but like you said, if you, if you friend someone, if you get the, the, you know, the whole thing where you, someone gets into your DMs and then the first thing, like you said, they're sending you a paragraph of information and then please like my stuff, read my things, watch my Buy reel. My book, you, yeah. Hire me instantly. Oh. Yeah. I get a lot oh. of hire me right Lock. now. And I'm like, well, I don't have any, I'm not filming anything right this very <laughs> moment. So I don't, I don't know what you're asking for. I don't, I don't know why you think I'm casting right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's just, you can just, you can, you can smell the spam, you know, and it's, uh, it's not good. And and I think I think also you can sit, I, I get those as well because I'm sometimes on IMDB Pro and if I'm working on a project or a casting person is sending out like word gets out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get these form letters where people are basically like, hey, I really liked and we'll list the last three projects you have on IMDB. And it always cracks me up because I have a lot of short films that aren't released yet on IMDB. Right. So and you're I'm like, like okay. you can't have seen that movie unless right. you were me. So thanks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Or one was like, oh, I really liked listed a script that's in pre-production. And I'm like, well, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you like that one? Because no, nah, I haven't really given that one to people. Yeah, there's the, the but that, that speaks to uh, something else that I feel like you can make the algorithm work for you. We, we mm. get recommended things all the time and on the social media feeds that we're on. And for me, the, I feel like the best one for me is Instagram. I get recommended all of these independent films all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, bet. So, you know, like, you know, I will immediately look up the, the, the filmmaker and what they're doing. And so for me, 
you know, I, I use the algorithm, wherever I get recommendations everywhere. I use it on Amazon. I use it on Netflix. I use it on Instagram. I use it on Twitter. Anytime I get something recommended to me, I look it up and I like the trailer. I immediately look up the filmmaker. I look them up and I'm just like, all right. And you know what? The, most of these filmmakers who like you, like we said, they're all climbing. You know what they love? They love it when people watch their movies. They yeah. love it when people pay to watch their movies. And it might cost you six bucks, seven bucks. But you watch the movie and then reach out and be like, hey, I dug your film. That's yeah. a, that's an instant in. Nobody doesn't want to hear that. Everyone wants to hear that. You know what I mean? You you took it upon yourself. You watched their film. And now you want to talk about it with them. Now, sometimes some people may be busy. You know, they may not get back to you. But I, if they're at a certain level where they're climbing, they might get back to you and say, oh, really? Thank you so much. And then you say, yeah, I liked it when, you know, you did X, Y, and Z. And they're just like, wow, that was really great. You know, blah, 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 blah. And then you're in a conversation with someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't take much. People just want you to watch their films. Use the algorithm to work. I'm sure you're getting those things. Instead of just scrolling right by, look up the film. Look it up. You know what I mean? I That's And then you, like, then you make a contact. Someone says, you know, that sort of thing. Liam O'Donnell. Perfect example of that. You know, I've wanted to be friends with Liam for years since I heard like him on a, one of my favorite podcasts, you know, and then I started like I was talking to him on Twitter. You know, we did the whole thing. And then I asked him to be on the podcast and he, he and I talk all the time now. Love that guy. Love him. Same yeah, thing with yeah. Rod Blackhurst. Love that guy. Yeah. Love Nathan him. Graham Davis. We we often exchange yep. info. I mean, uh, communication on Twitter now. And yep um it's it's fantastic you know mm -hmm. um and a lot of it is you know we took you took a genuine interest in these people and what they're working on it wasn't just one-sided and i think that's the number one problem with networking and i see it i go to networking events especially like uh back when i was in film school and there's somebody that has practiced a speech just to talk about themselves and their project and their business cards and they have no social back and forth prepared. right and Nathan Graham Davis is, is a perfect, you know, like yeah. like you said, we talk of the thing. He has a really great YouTube series where he talks to some really great screenwriters. One of which is one of my favorite screenwriters, Malcolm Spellman. He has two interviews with Malcolm on there. I love yeah. talking to him about his talks with Malcolm. But you have yeah. to watch the interviews. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. I want to talk about your other point besides the algorithm, which is mm -hmm. you, you put uh, on here, uh, make stuff and it doesn't have to be a movie. And yep. I, heck yeah, I'm really into this one. Although it's great if it's a movie and it could be a movie that's a two minute movie. It doesn't have to be a feature film to, to promote. But a, a lot of writers, including, I think it's Sam Watson just this week. Yep. Uh, is doing a fundraiser and and they did having, a read through of his script right they did a read through of his script as a fundraiser and so he's raising money for a charity and you know they did a reading of his script and you know it got a reason for like people in the community to come together yep. and, and and you know we know that like oh he's helping a, a charity that's great and so you know, it became an event. It became a thing where it's like, oh, that'd be fun to go to. That'd be fun to, you know, see who's there or connect with other folks that are there. And it's just a read through. And I, I say that a read through can be very complicated. That, those things are really big in Hollywood. People love, especially where, you know, they have dead scripts, you know, folks that may have gone through the process, but, you know, they're never coming back. You know, they've just been, it's been developed like too many times through too many different hands. It's been yeah. option here, option there, option everywhere. It's still a script that, you know, was good enough to get optioned several times, but for one reason or another, you know, it's just never going to see the light of day. And so people, you know, they celebrate that because people have been through that process themselves. And so when they do like, you know, you might get a few friends and say, Hey, would you like to, you know, do up here? We're going to do it for like, like you said, we're going to do it for our charity. We're going to do it for a good cause. And, you know, people donate and, you know, it's, it's just a, 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 a crossroads right now of connecting interests where people like doing good things. They like, you know, the shared misery experience of like, this is a script, you know, that I'm, may not all readings of scripts are dead scripts, but yes. not already. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, but uh, you know, that sort of thing. And then everybody gets to, you know, it's just a fun thing, you know, it's not yeah, really, and, you know. And the nice thing about a reading is usually everybody gets a little part mm -hmm. that they have to read. So they get to participate. And so it's entertaining. It's usually an event. It's a, it's a thing to do where you can get people to kind of feel like, yeah, I have some, I have somewhere to be. And most of them are over Zoom. 
So you don't have to leave your couch. And that also means you can participate if you're not in LA proper. Um, And that's, that's, I mean, it's really great. And then that gives you an open door to talk to the person whose script it is, you know, because afterwards you can be like, man, I I love the reading. I love the script. Uh, I'd love to read more of your scripts. Like it's a, it's a really great way to like jump in there or, or get an idea and do your own reading yourself. Right. Um, and, and again, it's, it's a, it's an event. You can make it a thing. And, There's no, um, yeah, we, I, you know, the, one of the other things the, you know, this sort of goes back into one of the other things I had on there. There's no substitute for networking, but you don't necessarily have to leave your house. Like one of our guests recently, Megan Reese, you'd met her over uh, like a networking event that was over zoom. Before she even yeah, got to the so show. There's a there's a monthly event done by Colin Lilberg 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 Lilberg. I'm so sorry, Colin, if he hears this and I mispronounce his name four times. Who does a, a writer happy hour every month? I mean, without fail. And I'm on that list. I don't always make it every month, but I make it. I try to make it every couple of months. And you pop on. You you he pairs everybody up into rooms, so you're talking to only like eight people or or five people at once. And you find out what other writers are working on. And I, that's how I met Megan. And she was telling me about Hot Town. You know, when we had like we were five people in a room at one point. Yeah, and you know, Megan has been a, a really great friend to the show, and she's cool people. And, you know, you just, you have networks of people and then, you know, you, you get into them and then you read their work and then you go, okay, this person is like, you know, this, and then you take care of them. And then at the same time, you know, when you have something, they, they hold you up as well. This is what networking is, you know, it's, and especially when it comes to, you know, making stuff, you know, that gives you another sort of avenue for favor budgeting. I'm very much about the favor budgeting thing. I, I'll, I'll work for free. If you work for free, I'll work for free. It's one of those things where like, you know, uh, yeah. that's-, that's the other thing. Yeah. You can, you can be like, I, I mean, I, I work for free often as favor budgeting, not because my work isn't of value, but I know that that person will hop on my set and work for free. So exactly. Really, I think that's what it means. The opposite sort of, it means that your work is something, you know, the people yeah. are willing, you know, to work for you for the same thing. You know, they're also willing to work for free. And people always, you know, think that favor budgeting is like some sort of like, ooh, you're dirty. You you favor budget. And it's like, yeah, that's how I get shit done. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, favor budgeting can go a long way. If, again, you have worked on, I mean, if you work on 10 sets that, you know, short film sets that year, that's probably 10 favors you can call in mm-hmm. uh, when it's your turn. It, you know, that stuff all depends. Generally, people are very grateful when you come on the set and support them and they're willing to give that back. So that's that's just, it's just indie goodwill and um, there's nothing wrong with that. I want to talk about your next point. It's really a good idea to support local film festivals and filmmakers wherever you are mm-hmm. because there are film festivals all over the United States. There's Everywhere. international film festivals. I walked in on film festivals like there's one at the library nearby that they were having a little film festival or a many film you know many schools are having like a little film festival and i think people sometimes forget to start networking there um mm-hmm. where again so a lot like a lot like what you're suggesting here which is like buying a ticket to a person's movie really kind of shows that support yep. you know going to a local film festival and spending 10 15 to see a block of shorts is it, it can be really helpful. Number one, because everyone sits afterwards and talks about what they've seen and you can meet all the filmmakers. Also, filmmakers often wander off to a restaurant or bar for drinks afterwards and you can continue the conversation. Yep. But another thing is these are people you can probably start working on sets or working with or offering to read their scripts and doing that paper budgeting, you know, that we, where you can say, hey, do you need a PA? I want some more on-set experience. I want to meet some more filmmakers. And they'll probably say, yes, we could always use an extra hand because you never say no to that. Yeah. Um, Also, it's a really great place to meet folks. If you know that there's going to be folks from screenwriting Twitter that are going to be at a certain film festival, Austin is really great for that. You know, like, but, you know, it doesn't have to be Austin. I met Robin Rose Singer, one of our previous guests. We've been sort of dancing around online. I'd see some of her stuff, but I knew that she was going to be at this festival in DC. Went down and meet her. We ended up going to dinner. It was a whole thing. Like you said, it just the film festival just spilled out into dinner. And then that restaurant, like it like as if by some sort of like weird 
like a signal it just became a club at 11 o'clock it was really weird like the <laughs> restaurant became a club they literally took all the tables out and people started dancing and so it was like this really that sounds like dc yeah, yeah. it was <laughs> it's very dc DC's like uh is that time we change our persona again right exactly and then the club just transformed it i mean the restaurant transformed into a club and, you know, it was just one of those things where it was a bunch of filmmakers just hanging out. Everybody was, you know, having drinks and dancing and and, and networking. And one of the guys from Buffalo 8 was there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was it was it was a whole thing. And, you know, it just that's how it works. You go to a film festival, you meet people. People are like, hey, we're going to go to dinner. You want to come? Yeah, sure. Why not? And you go to dinner and, you know catch some food and then you you know you might end up in a restaurant that turns into a club at 11 o'clock at night you don't know until you like you know you do the thing you just that's what happens you know film festivals and stuff like that they're just they they're networking events yeah i mean the only thing i want to warn people is when you do go to a local smaller film festival and you get like a short block or a movie sometimes you will sit through something where you're like oh this is not for me i do recommend shorts blocks for that because you'll get a variety so if something is particularly not for you it will end mm -hmm. versus a feature if you need to kind of dive in there and, and kind of see a bunch of different things i have um without meaning to uh, the last short block I was at there was like a 30 minute really not for me film in the middle of it and I was just like I was like I'm gonna make it through this block I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it I'm not gonna walk I'm, I'm gonna do it I'm glad I stuck around because I really liked the last two films so it's kind of good if you want to like you don't know how to start this maybe start with shorts because again they, they tend to be an hour to an hour and a half for a block there's a variety there so you'll find something you like maybe something you don't like as much and that's fine focus on what you like yeah the thing that I, I like and this I don't know if this is a, a thing in other places but I know that there are some of them across the country, 48 and 72 hour film festivals. Yeah. There is one local to me and I have done my best networking at these. I have met so many filmmakers, lifelong friends, people that I would die for at 72 hour filmmakers, 72 hour film festivals. I, my friend, Nick, he was, we were on different sides. We had no idea that we had my wife in common. Um, but I'd seen him for years at the 72 hour film festival. And then I mean, that's not kind of kinky when you said that we had my wife in common. Well, you know, you don't know my life, Kate Tuxford, but I'm not, I wasn't going there, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But, you know, my friend Jordan, I didn't, I hadn't worked with Jordan before until I worked with him on a film for a 72 hour film festival. Now Jordan is, he's, he's like my brother. Nick is yeah. like my brother. I've met actors that way. I've, you know, there are people literally that I, that I work with, that I love, that I have helped them in, you know, on multiple projects and probably will work with them to the day that I die. But I met them doing 72-hour film festivals. And these are local events for the most part, you know, 72, 48, they're all over the place. They may, there may be one local to you. A lot of them are, are sort of expanding to like online so that you can participate from anywhere. But like I said, when you're doing these things, you're down in the trenches, you only have 72 or 48 hours to make a film. That's going to make you, make you bond real, real quick. <laughs> Just Absolutely. Is. Absolutely. You know? And again, those people are all volunteering their time. So you are experiencing people who are willing to give their time to make something. So this is, again, a good way, like, if you volunteer, the other people in the 48-hour, 72-hour film festival are also volunteers. So it is a great way to make stuff and make friends without breaking your budget or your bank, because you will have, at the end of 72 hours, you will have a short film. You, you'll just have it. Right. So let's move on to what are we watching, consuming, writing. I finished Atlanta this week, and... It absolutely blew my goddamn mind. I, <laughs> I just, holy shit. I, I literally, I think I, I, uh, I, I don't even want to get into it just because I will be here all day. The end of that show broke my goddamn brain. And it's sad to me. I, it's, it's both sad and not sad. I'm glad that it's over because I'm glad that it's finished. It can't, it went out on top. But at the same yeah. time, I know that we're not going to get that kind of weirdness again, that kind of experience 
I yeah. don't know how many Atlantis we can actually get. I feel like it's a miracle that it exists in the first place. And it's so weird to me because I, you know, you try to recommend Atlanta to people and people are always like, oh yeah, no, I've heard of that. You know, <laughs> they're not going to watch it. And you're just like, fuck you. This is so good. And it's just, uh, it, anyway, it's, it killed me. Also, I watched Rain Man because Rain Man. I'm, yes. yeah, because I'm, I catch up on the classics. Yeah, no. Well, I'm watching, uh, I mean, I'm writing my script, my personal script about, and it has a lot of folks with sort of mental behavioral issues. And so I really love that movie because Tom Cruise's character, he is not gentle with Raymond at all. There's this whole thing where he goes through and it, it doesn't, it doesn't, the movie does a really great job of telling you what autism is or what what the, what types of autism there are. But at the same time, it doesn't, Tom Cruise's character, he does not ki- treat that character with, with, with kid gloves. It's really great to sort of watch like how people really interact with yeah. folks who are on the spectrum and what people, what lies that, that people believe. You know, that he says several times in the movie, he's like, I know you're in there, man. I know you see me and it's just there it's just a very unpolitically correct but at the same time like factually accurate portrayal of what like that kind of relationship would look like and I re- I think the movie holds up I absolutely think the movie holds up and you're just watching Tom Cruise like go through a journey with this <laughs> this thing with this road trip that he has and it's, you know, it's a fantastic film. It, it does hold up, I think. So that was my week. What about you, Kate Tuxford? Yeah, so I, I'm i trying to think of what I watched film-wise. The big thing is Thursday nights when I get home from class, the missus and I watch Picard. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I just recently watched, which I'm loving this last season of Picard. I kind of wish that this was the, like the first season of Picard. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Everybody's like, where was this, is, this the whole this, time? Yeah, I I was I, I mentioned it here. I was like this this the first season or two was like it was missing, you know, the plot line was just a little convoluted. It was a little See, I like the first season all the way up to the end where they ruined it. Like they could have yeah. ended after the first season, but then they were just like, no, we're deliberately making this decision so that we can get multiple seasons out of this. And then yeah. season two is so dark. It's very dark. I It made me sad because we lost some of these characters introduced, the board queen, you know, and all of that. I was just like, oh, this is just, you spent all this time introducing and setting up these characters. And by the end of season two, some of the new characters introduced are just gone. And, and so season three kind of is like, it almost feels like a refresher where it's like, what if this was Picard? And it's really him and Riker. I mean, it starts with they get a they get a distress message from Beverly, who they haven't heard from in years, who's in like outside of Federation space and like she's doing a like doctors across borders, but in space. And like she's in trouble. And like they have to like convince a captain to take a ship to take them out there because they don't yeah. have a ship anymore. And I'm like, this is what I'm here for. Like, this is Picard. Right. Um, and I don't want to give away anything. I feel like that's all the, the first episode. But characters show up this last season, you know, this last episode. A fan favorite shows up, you know. And yeah, I'm like, ooh, I'm in, I'm in. And then I'm like sad because finally I feel like I got the Picard I wanted and this is the last season. And yeah, like I feel like I, I got through like yeah. halfway through season two and I know I have to slog through the rest of, of season two in order to get back because i was i was really excited because what i wanted from because well i didn't i'm not spoiling anything because it was in the trailer but q shows up at the beginning of season two and what i immediately wanted q to do was snap his fingers and just retcon most of season one um like that's what i was hoping was gonna happen he was just like what have you been doing no i'm done with that snap and it's done it's like Whatever you did, it's undone now. Just because Q can do that. And I would have accepted that. But that's not what happened. And then you get Q and you're just like, this isn't fun. This isn't the fun yeah. Q. This, this is, is not fun Q. This he's is dark Q. I don't like this at all. Q. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's, oh. everybody's pretty grouchy in season two. And, and it's just totally that's, I don't think, what made us excited about Next Generation. Nope. Next Generation is more like, 
that's a deep space nine thing yeah you know yeah. what i mean yeah. yeah it was like next generation was much more like deep space you know, nine was about. grumpy yeah <laughs> it's about relationships it's about you know the support yeah. of a team it's about like a hard it has situation all the grumpy yeah, it has all the grumpy it, yeah. characters. Karen Reese, Worf, uh, Miles O'Brien, Captain Sisko. The only not one is it, the only not one is uh Dax and Quark. They're the only non-grumpy characters. Odo, Odo is completely grumpy. They got all the grumpy characters on D Space Nine. You know, like like even on um the night TNG, Worf is just they're like, Why are you so grumpy, Worf? He's like, I'm Klingon, we're grumpy. And they're just like, nah, buddy, you're on the Enterprise. Come on, buddy. Yeah, it's, and it's always like everybody's like there are so many episodes of TNG where they're like, let's cheer up Warp. Like yeah. let's, let's decorate him in some tinsel and a funny hat. Right. Like, they're you know they're constantly I mean? like he's their little grumpy bear. Right. And the rest of like, them are the rest of the care bears. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, why are we dressed up like Robin Hood things? What is this? And they're just yeah. like, oh, we're doing a cute thing this episode. And Warp's like, oh God. Yeah, yeah, you know and I was—I mean? think that's what you and I grew up as Star Trek. Like, what was lovable about the Next Generation? So, yeah. this definitely feels, even though the stakes are a little bit higher, because you know. Yeah, are, it has to be kind of modern TV. It's kind of like ah, the whole yeah, universe. Yeah, is there's escape. no. Yeah, it has to. Yeah, nobody's gonna have like a, a out of you know what is it a bottle episode where you know everybody's in the holodeck and and you know there's yeah, and then you know cards like rooms. a. He yeah. set up because he learned about escape rooms. So, you know, like that would have been a TNG yeah. episode. Moriarty um, shows up and he becomes sentient. You know, they're they're not doing that. They're not they're no. not uh they're um, not doing that. But yeah. But but I think at least this one knows that like we were invested in those character relationships in the next generation. And those are what kind of made us want to watch every week. And suddenly they finally pulled on a story. I mean the Brett Spiner storyline was interesting, but neither of them, neither of the characters were really data. Data no. is is gone so you don't have that relationship but now Riker and, and the number one and number two are next to each other and they're trying to find their Beverly Crusher and suddenly I was like I'm in you know right immediately you sort of like you know if you've got if you've got Picard and Riker then you've got Troy and so then you've got Troy and then you've got Crusher and then you've got all right and then you know you're just like Jordy and you're like oh my god you know what I mean like immediately I'm just like I'm in it just for that so eventually yeah. I will slog through you know, the rest of season two in order to get to season three, just because I know I couldn't do that with Discovery because I heard that Discovery got better in seasons, you know, after you sort of dug through the schlog of seasons two and three, like season four came back around. But I'm just yeah. like, I can't, I can't, I, I don't care about those characters enough, but these characters I'm highly invested in enough for me to sit through dark Picard, you know, like fascist in fascist, like universe Picard. You know, there in order is to a get through universe Picard, and right? Yes, yeah. In order to get through to you know, like next generation cast back for a final season, so I, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, but, there yeah. you go. Uh, yeah, and I'm not writing too much this week because I felt like I need to be honest with the world. Is uh, I'm a little depressed right now, post Christmas season, and it's been a little bit hard for me to get on the page recently. But I will. If anyone else is dealing with that and their own writer's block, you're not alone. And I'm gonna get back to writing again soon. I, I'm gonna take that to heart that that will happen, and I know the same will happen for you. So just just putting a a, a writer hug out there for all you who need it. Oh, that's a resource. Go ahead. Yeah, this week's resource is Kane Parsons, who made a movie about liminal spaces, which are spaces that are supposedly adjacent to our reality without being a part of it, which I didn't know was a thing. Like, I guess that's pocket universes, I'm guessing. Yeah. Is that the technical term? Liminal spaces, pocket universes? I, I, don't, I, I don't know. Anyway, the kid's 17 and has been tapped by A24 to make the feature version of his YouTube channel, which has this short film called Backrooms, which of this recording has 45 million views. And so oh, they're wow. making a feature version of it. And we have links to the YouTube channel and the short Backrooms in the show notes. This just goes to show, how do you get your foot in the door? Do stuff, put yourself out there, make stuff. There's yeah. this kid's 17. They're planning to make this thing over the literally over his summer break before he goes back to school. <laughs> 
Kate Duxon, would you go back for senior year if you made a feature film during your junior year of high school? I was really into school back then. So, yes. Um, Nerd. Yeah. I craved the approval of all my teachers and uh, I wanted everyone to think I was smart. And I'd go back so for I, the I first day just to drop out. Mm, mm. Be like, hey, how was your summer? I made a feature film. I'm dropping out today. Bye. Why? Yeah. So, but but I could understand the schools not does not seem that important anymore. But yeah. if we have any youngins in high school right now, stay in school, kids. Yeah, stay in school. I yeah. Well, at but, least at least test out, get your GED. Don't don't uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. I met I met a, a youth, a Gen Zer who dropped out of school, and I was like, but why? What were you doing? Like, what would you have been doing if it wasn't school? <laughs> and you know mainly was taking bong reps at home and i was like well you know you could have done that like after class so you know <laughs> just just i mean i'm not trying to be too judgmental but i was like it wasn't like you were busy so so stay in school kids anything else today nope. rob that is our show screenwriting from the trenches can currently be found on anchor amazon google and iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as KevinLMartin.com. Our screenwriting Twitter drama theme song was written by Zach Morrison and used with his permission. And hey, since we're a new podcast, you might want to drop us a like or rate us five stars on whatever platform that you patronize because... Algorithms. For questions for us that we can and will answer on the show, please email me at rob at bmofo.net. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at BespectacleMofo. I am at K underscore Tux. Zach is at Zach Morrison 18 and these things as well as my YouTube channel where the cinema challenge series is heating up and we show you how to make a movie for a thousand dollars. All those things are linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you will continue to do so. Now stop procrastinating. Those pages aren't going to write themselves. Mm -hmm.